wise men follow him, they rose again. Wise men follow him, thank God for the renegades and the lives they lead. Good morning, Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. Broadcast today in Maine on WXME, 780 AM in Monticello, WBCQ, 94.7 in Monticello, 1700 AM in Lewiston, 88.1 FM in Westbrook and Orono, 96.5 FM in Brewer, Bangor, Maine. Today is Saturday, April 11th, 2015, and it's a gorgeous day, as they say. It uh, the roads are bare and dry. Temperatures are around 40 at the moment. We're supposed to have partly sunny today. High near 51, breezy with a west wind, 17 to 20 miles an hour. So you want to wear a jacket. Gusts as high as 31 miles an hour. Tonight partly cloudy, low around 30. West wind 8 to 11. Won't be much of a frost with a 11-mile-an-hour wind. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 54. West wind, 7 to 9 miles an hour. That's a fair weather direction. Sunday night, partly cloudy, low around 33. Sugar will be flowing. Monday, sunny with a high near 60. I haven't seen 60 in... A long time, I don't know, October. <laughs> it's been a while. Sunday, south, uh, Monday, south wind, 6 to 11. Monday night, chance of showers after 2 a.m. South wind, 9 to 11. Chance of precipitation, 40%. They're just talking showers. Tuesday, showers likely between 8 and 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, high near 54. Now, that's the hot rain. That's what we don't want right now. We don't want a 54-degree rain on this snowpack. It'll knock the snow down, but it'll fill the brooks up and the rivers. Chance of precipitation Tuesday is 60%. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 55. Thursday, sunny with a high near 58. Now, I usually stop the weather forecast with Monday, but I couldn't resist. We're looking at at sunny today. Sunny mentioned Sunday. Sunny mentioned Monday. Mostly cloudy Tuesday, but sunny Wednesday and Thursday. With a high near 58 Thursday. That that rain Tuesday it says chance of precipitation 60%. I don't know about how much rain. It's something we got to keep an eye on because we've got to keep an eye on the rivers, and the ice is going to start moving, and uh, you want to keep your good stuff well above the, the flood line. Because when there's an ice jam, that river, any river could come up quick. Even the small brooks, you get a big chunk of ice, hits the culvert, poof, plugs it right there. The brook shuts off, Fills up the little valley, whatever, however size it is, that starts flowing across the road. So uh, you got to be careful, especially at night, because the road can be, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I said you can go out for a quart of milk, and then uh, or a gallon of milk or whatever, and then coming home, that road that wasn't flooded could be a foot deep going across the road. You've got one of these little compact cars and just drive into that. Next thing you float off the road, you're down in the woods, jam between two trees and the water's rising and it's a bad, bad thing. So drive slowly at night, especially in the valleys because that water can come up quick. It's one of the seasonal hazards we have. I looked at the internet this morning first thing and Guy said, he said, he said, my driveway is full of craters. And he lives down 
in lower Maine someplace. And it's warmer down there, and the frost is starting to come out of the ground, and the frost is lifting on the surface and leaving hollow places under the driveway, and then it caves in as it warms up, and it just until that lower level of frost is gone and things start to drain and dry out, it's mud time. Get into that in a minute. Before I forget, the gas price is two dollars and twenty-three cents a gallon in Biddeford, two sixty-four in Presque Isle. So that's forty-one cents higher up in God's country. The diesel price is two sixty-five in Machias and three sixty-nine in Scarborough. So it's a dollar four higher in Scarborough than it is in Machias. That's a Valero station, and. Uh, Valero generally runs low prices. So, talk about mud time just a little bit. I I went out and showed land this time of year 20 years ago. I had a 1979 Ford F-250 crew cab with a short box. I bought it new, ordered it that way, and uh, the dealer said, well, you're, if, if you're going to if you want us to order this truck for you, you've got to put down a $1,500 deposit. I said, why is that? They said, well, nobody buys crew cabs. Well, 1979, that was true. The average citizen did not buy crew cabs. And they said, uh, you know, well, what are you going to do with this truck? He said, that's a railroad truck. The railroad buys these trucks. You know, they put a crew in there and a short box and you throw some equipment in the back and they go out and change light bulbs in the switch lights or something, you know. <laughs> so they uh they uh they just were reluctant to order this truck. I said, look, I said, I've got I've got two teenage sons and they're both gonna be six feet tall and I don't want them climbing over me to get in the back seat. In their own doors. The difference in price between a an extended cab or what they used to call a club cab, and a crew cab, was $164. $82 a door difference. And uh, this, is, this is what I want. And this is what I want on it. And I gave them a list of stuff, you know, heavy-duty suspension and, and the heavy-duty radiator for towing. And I wanted, uh, I wanted cruise control. Well, you can't get cruise control on a crew cab. It's just it's a work truck. I said, well, I travel. I, said, I want to have cruise control. So they they uh, said, well, let me let me call. I, said, I know the guy that schedules trucks in Detroit, and uh, we'll see what we can do. He called me back. He said, yep, you can get crew cab. Well, you can excuse me, you can get cruise control. So I said, all right. So I ordered the truck. I was going to go to a different dealer if I, I know it's possible to order this stuff. And the people in the in the dealership, you know, just want to sell compact cars as fast as they can, and they're not too customer service oriented back then. And some dealerships, this attitude hasn't changed. But they ordered this thing for me, and uh, it came in, and that truck had a Thunderbird steering wheel in it. I kid you not. A lot of this stuff is common, you know. Parts that fit up one vehicle will fit another vehicle. It only makes sense to make the part for all the vehicles if you, if it's common. And the steering post in the F-250 truck fit the Thunderbird steering wheel. So they only have to set up to machine the end of the steering post uh, one way. So maybe all the Ford wheels were like that back in 79. Well, I got this Thunderbird steering wheel, and they took the they took the emblem, the Thunderbird emblem, off the steering wheel, and they put a Ford emblem on it. That had to be the only vehicle ever built for that particular configuration. And uh, I bought it new, had a lot of fun with the truck, and I'll just continue on this thread because other people could be interested in it. It had a, a 351 V8. And that engine wore out. So I looked around and I found a, a Ford 400 engine 
in Holton. And it was in a Mercury Marquee station wagon. And uh, the biggest, it's like the old Country Squire they used to have. This was a Mercury, same engine. And uh, so I bought the engine out of the Mercury Marquee, overhauled it, put in a, a Melling low-end high-torque cam, because this truck was used for pulling low speeds. It never, it was never going to go over 3,000 RPM in the life of the truck. So I got this low-end high-torque cam and an Edelbrock dual-plane manifold with a Holley 600 double pumper, four-barrel carburetor. And that truck went up to 19 miles per gallon. As long as I didn't open those secondaries, I could cruise down the interstate at 62 miles an hour, and uh, and it would just cruise. And, and if I just let it go down to about 55, going up the hill, pick it back up to 65, going downhill, I could get 19 miles per gallon with that truck with that Holley on there. Edelbrock dual-plane manifold, dual exhaust, glass packs, and I figured, boy, this thing's really going to burn gas. So I put an auxiliary gas tank in there. I put a where the spare was. I put a 38-gallon gas tank. So, and the, the original truck had a 19-gallon gas tank. It was a skinny gas tank on the outside of the frame, on the driver's side. So 38 and 19 is 57 gallons of gas, and that didn't I didn't have to fill it up very often. So when I'd go to a cheap gas place, I'd swing in there and I'd fill it up, and and uh, I just <laughs> it would, uh, you know, sometimes we'd put 52 gallons in there, and holy mackerel, what you got in there for a tank? Anyway, it, uh, I really enjoyed that truck, and I I sold it a few years ago. I just didn't have time to to renovate it and get it get it up sat in the backyard for several years and a young fellow bought it and he loves it couldn't believe it when i told him what was in there it looked like an old woods truck and essentially it was but that engine would really pull and it just you'd never know to look at the truck what it was and i wanted it to look like an ordinary truck it wasn't fancy so I got that truck stuck in the mud during mud time. Showed a piece of land down in South Springfield, down near Spalding Brook. A couple liked the land, and, and uh, they were thinking about buying it. We went to look at a couple more pieces. This was about a 45-acre lot back in the woods. And I, I uh, was coming out. It was cold when we went in. It was about 28 degrees, and... And the frost was just starting to come out of the ground. And 28 degrees, went in there in the morning, showed him this piece of land, came back out again. And I was coming up a hill. It slopes down to the south, and I was going north up this hill. And the sun hits that first thing. And it thawed the surface of the ground, a little slippery and slimy, and all of a sudden, I went through that frost crust. And down I went, sitting right on the frame. Good go. So I four wheel drive truck of course, but it just you know I just got caught by surprise and and I jacked it up and put some rocks and logs and stuff under the wheel, set it back down, climbed in and took off up the road, went about hundred and fifty yards, poked down she went again. This is not gonna be good. <laughs> I don't wanna have to do this every hundred and fifty yards all the way home. So I Jacked up the truck again, put some more stuff under the wheels. There was a, a shovel there that a guy had, somebody else had been stuck for a couple of days before and forgot his shovel. I left the shovel there for the next fellow, but I used the shovel. <laughs> so I said, all right, we climbed back in. This young man, probably 35, his wife, 30, 32, and, and uh, they left the kids with the grandparents and they just wanted to have a camp for the kids, you know, and let the kids grow up and have a traditional experience. I said, all right, put your seat belts on. My lady was in the back seat, man's in the front seat. And I took off, fell off of that 
pile of rocks and stuff I had under the truck and got moving. Picked up some speed and went into a shady spot where I hadn't, hadn't thawed quite as much. And the mud was flying, and I mashed the windshield button. And uh, the windshield wipers were on high with the windshield wiper right steady, washer steady. And we <laughs> finally, the woman in the back seat started screaming. So I got up on the top of the ledge, and right, right there with the road goes across bare rock ledge. I wasn't going to get stuck there. And from there on out back out to the paved road, it was downhill. So it was right on top of a bare rock ledge on a ridge. It stopped in it. I turned around and I said to the lady, I said, gee, I'm sorry I scared you. She said, scared me? She says, I haven't had so much fun since we lived in Alaska. My father was in the Air Force. I used to go butting up there. They had a fine time. We ended up buying a lot, about 15 acres, a little bit closer to the main road. Back in the woods, secluded, 15 acres, good place spot for a camp. And From there, you can get right on a snowmobile trail and it was, it was just the right piece of property for theirs, and it was a little less expensive than the, than the property they looked at, and it just did it for them. Talk to people, and they'll tell you what they want. Don't bother showing them what they don't want. It's a waste of their time and yours. Got a lead this morning on a piece of property, 80 acres with some big old pine on it. Nice piece of ground. I haven't seen it yet. But the fellow's brother told me about it, and fellow decided he wants to sell. You know, you reach a point in life where you need to make an adjustment, and he's decided he's ready to sell. So I'll be, I'll be contacting contact him later on today. I know about where it is, and I looked on a satellite photograph, and sitting there in a coffee shop, and you can call up Google Earth, zoom in, and you can see the tire tracks on the driveway, and you can see the gas can in the back of the pickup truck, and you can see that it's got a two-flue chimney or a one-flue chimney from outer space. That's you know we've come a long way. I used to when I started out in this business, I used to go out and take uh, videotape with a regular video camera and a cassette tape, and buy these cassette tapes in Martins. Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Roadrunner cartoons, and they were used, and people got tired of them, and they'd sell them, or some store would go out of business. You know, I could get these tapes for a dollar at Martin's. So I'd take the tape, I'd put it in the video camera, I'd go out, and I'd take video of properties. Somebody would be interested in it, and I'd, I'd say, well, I can send you a videotape. Please send it back when you've seen it. Well, copy it if you want. So you you take and I'd mail the thing off, and you know, several days later, I'll buy it. This is great. I don't have to come all the way up to Maine. I'll just this is the property. I'd take a video of the iron pin driven in the ground for a survey stake in the road, one of the road signs uh, entering Drew Maine or something. You know, just show a little bit of stuff in the area and tell them there's thousands of acres out behind this property you can just hunt and fish and wander around to your heart's content and bring your compass. So they'd send them back to me. And I'd run this run this video, and going off the end of the video, I'd say, well, it's no other mainland, man. Thanks for watching the video. Please send it back. And then it would go into Donald Duck or something on the end of it. <laughs> but that's how it used to be. Now you can send them a picture of the property, and in the unorganized territories, you can show the lines of the boundaries of the property right off the state GIS tax map. And uh, there are ways that you can get into these systems and access them. And uh, you can get in. You can get a look at the copy of the registry of deeds. In Aroostook County, in southern Aroostook, you've got to have a specific Windows application. You've got to have Windows 8 on your computer. If you've got Windows 7, it won't work. So lawyers and real estate brokers keep an old Windows 
DOS computer or something so that you can look at the registry of deeds in Holton. Eventually they'll update it so people with more modern computers, less than about 12 years old, uh, can look at the registry. So they'll get to it after a while. But in the unorganized territories, in some towns, you can look and see the actual property lines in a satellite photograph because they, they're in what they call graphical interface systems, layers, GISL, G-I-S-L. And you can look at different layers. You can look at the, the marshes and what type of zoning they have in that town on a satellite photograph. I'm trying to get our town to do it. <clears throat> I wish other towns would do it. It's not that expensive. I mean, the, the information exists. It's just a matter of programming it. So, took a look at the Baltic Dry Index this morning. Now, this is quite a change <laughs> from a, a woodlot showing the boundary lines in the state of Maine to the Baltic Dry Index. Baltic Dry Index is an index of what it costs to move bulk freight, whether it's corn, oats, soybeans, or gypsum, which is what they use in sheetrock. It's like plaster of Paris. It's the layer in between the paper and sheetrock. Iron ore, copper ore, all the the base materials used that keep our economy going. And shipping in the world's shipping system works on a supply and demand. Now, there are lots of financial instruments and banks that, that manipulate interest rates and we don't have any control over it. But they haven't found a way to manipulate shipping rates for ships. You know, a company will own some ships, and you can't park the ship like you can a railroad locomotive or an airplane and just wait until the demand goes back up and put it back into service. The ship has a crew. The ship needs to be maintained 24 hours a day. And you can mothball a ship, but Mothballing a ship in some fjord in Norway or some sheltered place is a difficult proposition. It's exp still expensive. So they, if they cut the price to move bulk cargo and they're losing money, they can. it's better to lose money, a little bit of money, than to lose a lot of money. So they will make the decision to haul bulk cargo and lose money on the trip. You can't do that forever. But the Baltic Dry Index is down. The lowest it's been, not today, but the first quarter of this year, year to date, the Baltic Dry Index is down 25.83% this year. From one year ago, it's down 42.12%. They watch this stuff right down to the hundredth of a percent. The hundredth of a percent, when you're talking about a large large ship, is a lot of money for the average person. In the last year, the Baltic Dry Index was a high of $1,484. That's the highest it was during the 52 weeks. And it, right now... It's five hundred and eighty dollars. And the range you cut down as far as five oh nine uh about two weeks ago. It's back up to five eighty. That's not a big jump because where it belongs is up over a thousand. We're in the world economy is is in tough shape worldwide. On Wednesday of this week the number of Americans not working went above 93 million. Now, last week they were saying it's 92 million. And no point in watching the the actual numbers 
you know, 840 here and 62 there. But when they hit 93 million, that's kind of a milestone. 37.3% of adults in our nation are not working. That's more than a third of the people. And the unemployment rate, they say, is 5.2%. They say that's a wonderful thing because it was 5.3%. All that means is that a whole bunch more people went off the end and are no longer carried in the unemployment rolls. That's why the unemployment rolls are dropping. The total number of people not working is increasing. Now, it went to 93 million. That doesn't mean it's a million more than the previous week when it was 92 million. It was 92 million and a fraction and it just popped over 93 million. So, you know, it wasn't a whole million people lost their jobs or quit or died. You know, dying doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, these are live people. But uh, it, just, it just boggles the mind that 37.4% of adults in our nation are not working. As I said, Last week, some of these people will never have a job. They're they're really, you know, fully disabled. But we've got a lot of people walking around that are on 100% disability because of depression or something. You know, that doesn't mean they couldn't do anything. But it's for some, it, the system says it's all or nothing. And the system that we've got in Maine uh, says, you know, if if mom takes a part-time job, she will lose all of the benefits that she's got. And there are a lot of different kinds of benefits that people on public assistance have in Maine. People come here for that reason. And they all know that nobody comes here for the welfare benefits. Well, yeah, they do. They talk to each other. They talk to their cousin in Pennsylvania and lady up here or the man up here tells his cousin what kind of benefits they have up here if you're unemployed and they'll pack it up and come up here from Pennsylvania for the summer. Be unemployed up here for the summer. Go back down to Pennsylvania in the wintertime where the heating cost is lower. It happens. And Governor LePage is trying to change that. And the minute you say, oh, this person is unemployed, they're up against it, and you want to take away some of his benefits, you heartless, cruel person, you. I'm not using any profanity here, but that's not the way the, the people that are going to might see a reduction in their benefits. See, and they're down there in Augusta. I was down there in Augusta this week. And I went down on Wednesday and came back on Thursday. Spent the night down there with some good people. <coughs> And uh, I went down to, to to bear witness. Bearing witness is a burden. It's not easy for somebody to give up a day's work and go down to Augusta. They've got lots of lobbyists. Spoke with a couple of lobbyists. One lady down there is a lobbyist for 32 different organizations. She's paid by all of these organizations, and some that's a it's a modest fee just to put in a plug for the organization. And of course, the lobbyists have to state who they're representing. So you've got a, an organization down there, and they had a group down there, uh, several ladies, and they're advocates for Lyme disease control and awareness of Lyme disease. And they're not looking for a whole lot of state money, but we've got a new disease along with Lyme disease that is uh, carried by by ticks. And I told one of these ladies, I live up north, and I have never seen a tick in the area where I live, in the, most of the areas where I work, I have never seen a tick. Not on me, not on anybody. Not on my dog, like back when I had dogs. If we were going to have them, we'd figure a dog kennel would pick them up, but Never did. Now, we've got moose ticks up north. Moose ticks are a big tick. 
and they can suck the life right out of a moose calf. I mean, you, they multiply like rabbits, and they just they can cover a moose calf and draw the life blood right out of that moose calf, and the moose calf will die. It's I've never I have not seen this personally, but I know it exists. But the, those moose ticks don't bother people, and they don't carry Lyme disease yet. So we're hoping that uh, it does, this doesn't happen. We're hoping we don't get a rash of ticks and Lyme disease up up north. But it could happen. It's something we got to be aware of. I mean, Ladies are down there. It's a real big problem down in southern Maine. I went down and visited my son down there and put a rubber band around your ankles, your trousers, and then put a layer of duct tape around that to hold your trousers in place. We went out and looked at a piece of land down there. My son was doing some surveying. And we're down for the weekend, and he just wanted to check out this one piece of land. He says, now check yourself when you come back out to the road. So we did. And there was a herd of hick ticks hiking up my trousers. And I checked his back, you know, all the way up to his neck, and under his arms and his wrists. And the ticks had come up almost up to our belt line, but they weren't hadn't hiked up to your neck where they generally get you. And I checked him over carefully, and he picked the ticks off, and you, you pinch them, and you mash them with your thumbnail so they don't live. As you pluck them off and drop them, they'll just, they're still alive and they get you or a deer or something. They're not having fawn mortality down there. They're not, the deer ticks are tiny and they're, they're the ones that, that uh, carry Lyme disease. Then they've got wood ticks, which are five or ten times the size of a deer tick. They're big tick. That's mostly what uh, what we saw down there. That day we didn't see any of those small deer uh, deer ticks, but they're down there, and they they'll get you. You got to check your dogs and check your kids, and it's just part of life down there. Like mud time is part of life up here. Down there in Augusta, we had a bill LD six fifty two. And put in by a, a Senator Brakey, and he called it the put on a jacket bill, because if you carry a handgun on your hip or a shoulder holster in Maine, it's out there right in front of God and everybody, and you, anybody can see it. It's legal to do that. Isn't done often, but it's perfectly legal to do that. And when I first got a concealed firearms permit, that's what they call them. Some states call it a concealed weapons permit or a concealed pistol permit. In Maine, it's called a concealed firearms permit. And it allows you to carry a, a loaded handgun on your person and in your vehicle. So if you're hunting and you're carrying a pistol and you don't have a permit, when you get in your vehicle, you're supposed to unload it. And then when you get back out, you got to remember to load it again because it's illegal to have it in the vehicle. Well, we've got, uh, you're walking, you know, going around with your with your pistol on the hip and, and if it starts to rain, you reach in your backpack and take your rain jacket out, put your rain jacket on. Now it's hanging down over the pistol and you're breaking the law. And Brakey called it the put-on-a-jacket bill. And there's a legislator named Gerzowski. And I don't know if he's a representative or a or senator, to tell you the truth, but I wrote down his name. And he calls it the hide-a-gun bill. And 24 states reciprocate with Maine. And and Brakey said that, you know, what this this bill is, uh, you need a permit to wear a jacket. You know, if you're going to put a jacket on, the wind picks up. It gets cold. You put a jacket on, 
it's hanging down over your pistols, you're walking down the wood road, you're breaking the law. So if somebody, game warden stops you or deputy sheriff stops you, hi, how you doing? Carrying a pistol? Yeah. You see the lump showing in the jacket. See your pistol permit? Are you seal firearms permit? Well, I don't have one. Well, at that point, the game warden or the deputy sheriff has a decision to make. Am I going to write up this guy and cause him to lose, you know, the right to even carry have own firearms? Or am I just going to say, you, know, you need to take your jacket off or you need to have that unloaded because you're breaking the law. I'll, give, I'll let you off with a warning this time. But if you, you know, if you've got an attitude, or the, or the law enforcement officer has, you know, an attitude, and you just don't hit it off that well, he can write you up, and it's a big deal. Having a having a concealed handgun loaded on your person without a permit. So we're trying to make Maine a constitutional carry state like Vermont. In Vermont, they have a system where if you choose to carry a loaded handgun on your person, you can do that. You don't need a permit. They understand the you have a right to bear arms. That doesn't mean unloaded. That doesn't mean own one and have it in your house. Bear means carry. And I was down there to bear witness. Bearing is is a burden. It takes a great deal of responsibility. Not everybody should do it. Some people are not comfortable carrying. That's okay. We'll take care of you. In Texas, there was a restaurant that says no firearms in our business establishment. Luby's Restaurant. And a lady and her mother went into the restaurant, and she left her the purse which she carries her handgun in the vehicle. And a guy who was dissatisfied with life went into Luby's and shot the place up, killed more than 10 people in the teens. And there was this lady, she and her mother ducked under the table. The lady survived. mother did not. And her handgun was out in the, in the vehicle because the restaurant said they didn't want any handguns in there. Starbucks nationally said that they want no, no handguns in our businesses. And a whole bunch of people went in one more time and said, you know, I've been coming in here for six years, ever since I moved to this town. And you've told me that you don't want my business anymore. What do you mean? I've been in here two or three times a week for six years while carrying a handgun. And you told me that you don't want me to be your customer anymore. And they got so many feedback, so much feedback from the the store owners back to the corporate level says, look, we're losing customers here. I mean, people that I've known for years, you're telling them you don't want their business anymore. And they backed off. They said, well, if you want to carry concealed, you know, we, you know, then you can continue to come into our, our Starbucks. They backed off on it. And there were a couple of other a couple of other business establishments just had no idea that this number of people were going into their dis- their business carrying. Well, they call it concealed for a reason. You know, it's just some people freak out. I was showing a piece of land to a lady, and I, there was a birch tree hanging out over this old wood road, and I reached and lifted up the birch tree, and my my vest lifted up, and there was a, 38 special on my hip that day. And she, is that a gun? It certainly is. Oh, why would you carry a gun? You know, we're getting along nicely, and she just thought of me as an ordinary, you know, business person that 
having a pleasant conversation, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm carrying a gun. So I said, well, I'll tell you. You asked me why. I said, if a coyote comes running down this road, staggering and drooling and growling and snapping his teeth, I says, I cannot run that coyote back to the truck, and neither can you. I've got to deal with that right now. There's rabies on this side of the Penobscot River now. And, you know, that could happen. Whether it's a whether it's a a raccoon or a coyote or a fox, you know, you can't outrun any of those. <laughs> you can't outrun a raccoon. They look like they waddle along, but boy, when they want to move, they can move. So, so uh, we walked up the road for about two minutes. That's quite a pause in a conversation. And she said, "That's okay. That's okay." that I was carrying a handgun. But she had never in her life imagined that there would be a legitimate reason to to carry a handgun. And there is a legitimate reason. It's a right. It's a right that we have to protect ourselves. It's a right. We have to protect the right itself. Because the Second Amendment says we have a right to bear arms. Bear means carry doesn't say carry unloaded or have it in your closet. It's carry. And more and more states are coming back to that. The police chief in Portland came and testified, and he was quite upset that we were considering removing the permit. This is for American citizens. You know, if you're a citizen of Maine, you can you can carry without any permit, as long as it's on your hip. Well, he said he didn't want people to be able to carry concealed in Portland, and he didn't want people to be able to carry openly either. Now, this is the attitude that Mike Chitwood had when he came to Portland from Philadelphia. And he, uh, you know, he was a funny guy. I guess I, I don't know how to describe him, but he... He had no regard for the Constitution and did not want people carrying in Portland. And he realized, you know, this district attorney says, look, you can't hassle these people. You know, you just, they have a right to do this. It's the law. And finally he accepted it. Never did like it. Then they had a chief down there in Portland named Craig. Nice guy. And he was surprised when he arrived here from someplace else that, that uh, this was legal in in Maine. Well, you know, have any problems with this? No. Okay. Yeah, that, that, it's that's interesting. You know, I just didn't know that. And instead of hassling somebody and arresting him on the spot, he, he talked to his officers and, and the district attorney. He said, "Yeah, that really is the way it is. The guy wants to strap on a a Colt peacemaker like Gene Autry or." Or the Lone Ranger, he can walk down down the street in Portland, Maine, carrying. It's legal. Most people don't do that, but it is legal. And there are lots of people that carry large sums of money, or or you know, one guy says, "Why do you carry? Why do you carry? Too old to take a beating. <laughs> Shouldn't have to take a beating. The presence of a handgun will probably." You know, prevent the beating, one way or another. So, one of the quotes the Portland chief had was, "You can't buy a silencer at Cabela's." Well, his name is Michael Sandschuk. I've got it written down right here. And yeah, you can buy a silencer at Cabela's. You got to have a Class Three license, and it costs you like two hundred dollars a fee to buy the silencer, but you can put a silencer on a handgun if you have a Class Three license. It's a, it's a federal deal. Most people don't don't see the need, but some states are allowing silencers on rifles, and you can hunt with them. Now, in Maine, it's illegal to hunt with a silencer. 
and some this a rule about flash suppressors. So if somebody's shooting at night, they want to see the muzzle flash. But down south, they've got a big problem with wild hogs, and they multiply them like flies. They they'll destroy a garden in one night, a vegetable garden. And hogs reproduce fast. A female hog can, can have a litter of hogs at the age of five months. Usually they go six or seven months, but they can have a litter. You get a, and they have a lot of piglets. <laughs> and they get bigger, they have more piglets. But a female hog, six months old, can have a litter. Six months later, half of those can have a litter. You can I mean, do do the math. Half the half the piglets are females. They breed with each other in the same family without having any great amount of genetic disturbances, if you will, in the animal kingdom. And they will have, they'll carry some bad genes with them, but they'll have other genes that work okay. Brothers and sisters and first cousins in humans uh, will have all kinds of problems if they have children. Their, their children and their children's children will carry uh, dominant genes that are undesirable, shall we say. And we'll get to that any further. But it's not a good thing. And they made laws against it because uh, people learned from experience over thousands of years that don't do that. So... Michael Sauschuk is this guy's name. He has no regard for the Constitution of the United States and no regard for the Constitution of Maine and his amendment to our Constitution in Maine that says the right to bear arms shall not be questioned. Period. That's it. And he was down there standing at the legislature questioning the right to bear arms and violating the Constitution. Somebody needs to educate this guy. He had down on the Portland City Council to do it. There are a bunch of left-wingers down there running Portland. 242 years ago, the Governor General of the British Possessions in the Americas, that's North America and South America, the Governor General was General Thomas Gage. In 17... 73, he wrote back to England, to London, and said, democracy and town meetings are becoming too prevalent in New England. The people are moving out to the back country, and already they are becoming out of reach of law and order. The greatest effort must be made to prevent these moves to the frontier. Well, tyrants are still trying to keep people from exercising their freedom all over the world under Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is not in the agenda, the 21st agenda in a long line of agendas. Agenda 21 is the UN's agenda for the 21st century. And they want to prevent sprawl. And there's a bill in before the legislature to disregard Agenda 21. You can't change what the UN wants to do, but you can invalidate it in Maine so that we don't use Agenda 21 as a pattern for land use regulations. And there are people in Maine that really want to do this. They have Gateway 1 down on Route 1 coming up the coast, and they wanted to have zoning, and they wanted to have a regional planning commission to control zoning along Route 1 and along the coast. Regional planning commissions are not elected by the people. It's a club. It's a private group that's trying to implement Agenda 21. And, uh, you know, up in Penobscot County, you got uh, the... Uh, Penobscot County Planning Commission. 
they're not elected by anybody. They're just a, a group that wants to implement Agenda 21. And they're a club. The group of left-wing people that want to control everybody. And these are the people that go in there and try to convince towns to establish zoning in the town so that one neighbor can't do what his other neighbor does because he's on the other side of that invisible line. They think they're smart enough to plan how our town should be 50 years from now or anybody's town or a county. They're county planning commissions. So justified against that, and I mentioned General Gage, and I mentioned also, much to the surprise of the legislators on the committee, that in 1940 we had six and a quarter million acres of pasture and cultivated ground. Today we've got just over over a million. We have lost five million acres of pasture and cultivated ground since 1940. So what happened to it? We created 77,000 acres a year of forest in the state of Maine since 1940. We can't keep doing it or we won't have any pasture and cultivated ground. Five million acres. That's a lot of townships. And they're talking about sustainable use and carbon sequestration. Well, I said... Trees are mostly carbon. Carbon comes from carbon dioxide in the air. Carbon dioxide is tree fertilizer and lawn fertilizer. All plants use carbon dioxide that are created by people, internal combustion engines, and fires. That's how carbon dioxide is created. When you burn wood, you create carbon dioxide. When you burn gasoline, create carbon dioxide. When we breathe, we exhale carbon dioxide. So do your cows and your dog and cats and the birds and all the beasts of the field and all of the air. They all exhale carbon dioxide. We're a carbon-based life planet. And that's the way God created it. That's the way God meant it to be. And Maine has sequestered, which means taken up more carbon than any other political entity on the planet since 1940. We've created 5 million acres of forest that weren't there in 1940. Many of those acres have been harvested more than once. People in the town of Wynn call out behind the airport. What airport? Well, it used to be an airport out behind there. You know, the airport was always, always built on level ground. And out behind the airport, there's uh, some snowmobile trails and ATV trails and stuff. But the old-timers still talk about out behind the airport. Same thing in Kingman. A plane was took off from Labrador. It's flown across the Atlantic. And he was coming, trying to make Bangor. And he realized that he didn't have enough gas to make it to Bangor. And there was an airstrip in Kingman, Maine, owned by the, the the leather tanning company that was there. And he landed there. There was no nobody working at the airport. It was just an airstrip. And he called, went around, and walked out to a farm. And, and uh, of course, the kids came from all over. When my father was a boy, you'd hear, aeroplane aeroplane, people would run out and watch the airplane fly by. And the people yelled about the airplane before the airplane got there. I mean, it was like a, almost like radar. Hey, there's an airplane coming. We can look at the airplane and watch it fly by because there weren't very many when my, when my father was a little fellow. But they went around Kingman. Somebody had two gallons of gas and somebody else had five gallons of gas. And they, they put enough gas in this guy's airplane, this European fellow, so they could fly to Bangor. And he paid these people for the gas. Oh. But that land where the runway was has been harvested for spruce twice since since uh, he landed there in the 1930s. Nobody planted the spruce 
seeds blew across the snow and this, they naturally reseeded themselves. Little studworms coming back. It's in Ontario. Eventually it'll get here. The environmentalists will take advantage of it just as they did uh, years ago. You know, they, they blamed industry and loggers for the spruce budworm. And spruce budworm has come through every 40 to 50 years, they have a big flare-up when the seasons are just right and have population explosion and kills a lot of spruce trees. Tom DeWeese came up and spoke to the legislature, and he gave a great talk. man is an expert on property rights. I met him 14 years ago at the National Property Rights Congress in Washington down there to represent the MECRI, Maine Conservation Rights Institute. And uh, interesting. But he mentioned regional councils who are trying to implement zoning and regulations. And to get this regional council, will go to your town fathers and they'll try to get the town fathers to adopt this, this sensible regulation to prevent sprawl. And they have a master plan that's called Agenda 21. And they want to have walkable communities. They want people to ride bicycles. They don't want people to have or use cars very often. And, you know, you can't park a logging truck in front of a government-approved condominium. We have a way of life here. And people all over the world have ways of life that suit them, that are efficient for them. And they don't want to be driven off the land. And we don't want to be driven off our land. We had a great, great session down there. Learned a lot. Was able to tell Tom DeWeese a few things that he hadn't heard about. I told him about the horror that we had in Maine eight years that Angus King was in. Angus King was a green that was sent to Maine to do a job on Maine. We told him about that. Told him about Angus said we got to have got to go from five to six percent on the gas on sales tax, just for two years. Well, two years was up. Supposed to go back down to down to five percent. Oh, we can't do it. We we can't take this great loss of money. You know, we've got to got to keep it. We'll go halfway. We'll go down to five and a half percent. Well, back in 1995 or four, whatever it was, you couldn't program a, a cash register for a half a cent. So the ladies in unorganized territories united got their tin snips and EMT shears and started cutting pennies in half. We'd put in these half pennies in all of the general store change cups there beside the cash register. There'd be a few pennies in there, sometimes a nickel. And put all these half pennies in there. What's that? Well, that's Angus King's half-fast tax cut. Say that fast a few times. Half-fast tax cut. It's half as fast as the intended tax cut and the law, but it's a half-assed tax cut. Angus King's half-assed tax cut. Well, Angus King's mouthpiece back at the time was Dennis Bailey. Dennis Bailey is a political gadfly, does some writing. and He was Angus King's spokesman. And he was a good fit with Angus. He's a radical green. So, you go, Angus, Angus. They're laughing at you. They're talking about Angus King's half-assed tax cut. And they just, they're, people are doing it all over northern Maine, and they're, and geez, you know, we're going to have to back off. If you're going to get reelected, you've got to go back down to 5%. And he did. It didn't cost anything to do this. Humor is a powerful tool. And what we've got to do is make fun of the pastry chef from Washington State who was trying to turn northern Maine into a national park. And we're working on that. Coming up on 10 o'clock. This has been the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network. The Conscience of Maine. Broadcast today in Maine on WXME, 780 AM in Monticello. WBCQ, 94.7 in Monticello and all the way down to Danforth. 1700 AM in Lewiston, 
88.1 FM in Westbrook and Orono, 96.5 FM in Brewer and Bangor, Maine. Friday, April 11th, excuse me, Saturday, April 11th, 2015. We need to adapt, folks. Mud time is here. Bring your cell phone. You get stuck, you can call for help. Somebody will come and winch you out of that muck. Be careful. Stay off the ice. There are places the ice is safe. It's illegal to fish from the ice into into the natural opening in the water. You're going to fish, you've got to fish from shore or fish from a boat. You can't stand on the ice and fish. This is for your own safety, I suppose. One more rule that you might not have heard of. Be safe. God bless. Wise men follow him. Wise men follow him.